Welcome to the Star Citizen Neurocast, brought to you by Cognition Corp and its community organizations. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you the most up-to-date Star Citizen information and general discussion concerning game mechanics and lore. I'm Lumen the Hunter, and joining me today are Aidan from Pitcher 4. Hey, hey. Furious from Evil Inc. Hey. Massey Man from Photon Torpedo. Hey, here. And Witch Doctor from Kuleen Nation. Hi. Before we get started, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon backers for funding our current giveaways and supporting the show. Our Patreon backers have access to our pre-show podcast where we go over the news in greater detail, as well as exclusive LTI ship giveaways. For more information on how to support the show, visit us at patreon.com cognition. This week, for official Star Citizen news, we had the comlink, which had Citizens of the Stars with Will Weissbaum and Ungeneer. This week in Star Citizen covered Stream Citizen with four streamers, Grit Spitter, The Astro Pub, Doc Pasty, and Captain Flint. We had a lore post in Something Every Tuesday, Finding Fiona, as well as Lore Maker's Guide to the Galaxy, The Magnus System. Around the Verse was Around the Verse this week covered the LA studio as well as a behind the scenes on Spectrum's development. And then we had the debut of the Anvil A4A Hurricane, which is a glass cannon update to the Anvil lineup. Which is gonna be amazing. <laughs> For something new this week, they did Happy Hour Game Dev with Josh Herman, where the community helped design a planetary fauna that will at some point be debuted in the Star Citizen universe. But first off, let's talk about the Anvil Hurricane. This was pitched originally as a starter ship, but debuted recently as a $175 in U.S. currency ship that was a hard-hitting, fairly maneuverable, but not terribly fast and not well-armored ship. How much do you think it's deviated from the original pitch? I would say it would have deviated a little bit from what we would expect of a hurricane. It would sound a little more unstoppable than what they say, but it seems that it, is, it might be a good ship. I mean, the description does say that the Terrapin sees fights in one way, which is heavy armor and good shields, and this sees it in a different way, which is a lack of heavy armor and good shields, but huge guns. So I feel like it's fairly on point. Yeah, I, I got the impression it was sort of the polar opposite of the Terrapin, with the Hornet being so somewhat the default or standard. I predicted it was going to be more like the precursor to the F-8 Lightning, which is supposed to be a fairly heavy, sturdy ship. Not as gun-heavy as this is, more defense. And I guess... It, the Hornet was really the predecessor to it, so I shouldn't really have expected that. But for me, it, it really doesn't live up to the name Hurricane, but I like the design overall. And something we, we discussed in the pre-show was how the top manned turret is a four-size-three manned module, which should translate to one fixed size six if the sizing and modularity guide that we've been working off of so far actually ends up being correct which to me looks like a fairly lopsided size weapon for such a small ship. I think that's an accurate description of it. And based off of what we already know, I think that's, you know, those are the conclusions we can draw. However, will it stay that way? I doubt it. I doubt they're going to allow you to put a size 6 gun on a at most, two-seater uh, ship. I mean, I feel like they understand their own rules for gun sizing. So they saw this going in. I don't know. I may be, might be a little crazy there, but I feel like they're trying to make a ship that's designed to not necessarily be right in the middle of a scrum, but sitting on the outside of it and trying not to be focused in blowing stuff up with a big gun on top. 
Yeah, I mean, if we could distill it to its MMO essence, it's, it's essentially the scrapper to the Hornet's tank, I suppose. It's not meant for taking much damage at all. It's meant to alpha strike something and avoid being in a, in a prolonged dogfight. Yeah. Uh, they debuted the out, heavy outlaw armor on Around the Verse this week, which was super cool. I uh, highly recommend people take a look at that. It's very exciting looking. They showed the concept for the heavy marine armor last week, and now it's been put in game and rendered. So it, they both look great. I don't know if they'll be available in all star marine modes or just the PU. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I feel like the medium armor dominates right now in Star Marine, and I feel like the heavy armor would dominate just that much more. Well, I think it, eventually it'll end up, you know, when there's when the movement penalties, you know, start being actually applied, it'll come down to more situation. Say you have to, you know, stand and fight out in the open, you're going to want to be in heavy armor. Basically, being mobile is often a lot more important than uh, being heavily armored because yeah. if people see you in heavy armor, they will just say, okay, that guy is an easy target to concentrate fire on. I think heavy armor will only be needed for a situation where you have fire support, like yeah, as it, a tank, kind of. Yeah, it, and that's that's what I mean. Like, if you have to stand and fight and there's minimal cover, you're definitely going to want to be in heavy armor. However, that's about all the places I can think where heavy armor would have the advantage. Sure. I mean, I guess in Star Marine right now, the reason why medium armor breaks out over light armor is I don't think that the benefits of light armor are stark enough and as much of a difference as they should be. There's no real advantage to light armor in Star Marine currently. It's a lot of, okay, go capture the point and try and defend it. And for defending it, you want to have as much armor as possible. And, you sure. know, it's similar for, you know, when you initially go to take the point. It's not necessarily bad that the medium armor is dominant. Yeah, no, I agree. During Around the Verse, they showed off the destructible item behavior that will be physics-driven for all objects and props and how they're incorporating it into item system 2.0. As I said before, I think it'll be great. It'll, I think it'll end up kind of being like probably better than Half-Life 2-esque and, you know, original Source Engine in terms of prop destruction. Yeah, I can see that, where uh, a lot yeah, of like, missions you know, become you, physics-driven. Yeah, like you won't have, you know, this wooden box deconstruct into, you know, three wooden pieces. Sure. I think it'll be more of, oh, there's a hole in this thing which contained a liquid. Oh, now the liquid's coming out. What do you do then? Yeah. It'll add another level to it, which will be really good. Yeah, I agree. Also on Around the Verse, they talked about facial idols and how they're getting the facial animations for the ship captains put into all the different ships so that they don't have that static look, which just straight ahead the whole time. The thousand-yard um, stare. <laughs> exactly. Um, they're working on the interaction system, which ties the functionality of grabby hands with the inner thought system and then tie that into the items 2.0 system. So we saw a working prototype of it, and it looks really cool, but it's got a fairly long ways to go still. Uh, lighting states was something they also highlighted, uh, which would allow for lights to become grouped and then have similar properties within that group so they don't have to double up on lights for each iteration of a ship or a station or whatever they're working on. Seems like it'll be more important once the bigger ships are out there. Once you have large ships, you can do emergency lighting because those emergency states in that ship will last longer naturally just because the ships have more defense capabilities. But speaking of damage states, the new damage system 
which they've talked about being in development, will allow for procedurally generated skin to become damaged on top of a ship skeleton, allowing for dynamic damage depending on the weapon type and where it was hit. Um, they've mentioned that object container streaming is still being worked on, which is going to be a big thing for improving the network coding, and that the radar, the radar detection system and ship scanning gameplay system are both being worked on and now in conjunction. That ties into the system management system, where people will be able to control their ship's systems to mitigate any signaling effects for, for people to find them with the scanning mechanics they're also putting in. They've also briefly talked about zone culling for character clothing, so that clothing that is being covered won't actively be sent through the server and rendered. Uh, saves a lot of processing power and network bandwidth overhead, as well as clothing that is damaged to show clothing beneath it dynamically. Somewhat similarly to how they're using the damage system for ships, it's going to be shown off in clothing. And then finally, they mentioned that the ship's stats page is undergoing an update right now, and they hope to keep it updated again after that, which is really exciting. Yes, that is a very good thing. Yeah, no, I think the ship's stats page should have been taken down until it got updated because it's had a lot of outdated and misguiding information on it for quite a while as things have been in flux. And naturally, this is an alpha, so most people knew it, but it just seems like this information is official, even though it's outdated when it's on the official stats page. For gameplay mechanics, we learned that in universe mode, we'll be getting the Grim Hex Racing Parlor with 3.0, which we had heard about, but it'll be run by an NPC named Luca Brunt, uh, who will help us place bets on the races, as well as possibly give us racing missions to participate in. All right, people ready to fix some races? <laughs> make some make some good moolah here? That's actually interesting. Um, I wonder how much people could affect the outcome of these racing missions. Uh, since we'll all technically still have to be in the same server uh, when 3.0 comes out because they have they won't have the server latticing done quite then. So it'll still be the way that servers are run right now where you have a, a player cap, but it'll be hopefully much higher. Yeah. The Aurora has undergone a model update. There's two pictures of that in the show notes. The Cutlass is also going in model update. We learned that the front will have two small tractor beams which will stabilize an object that they're trying to, to uh, repel or bring in, whereas the large tractor beam in the back will actually do that pushing or pulling motion. The Buccaneer is almost ready to enter the game, and then the Hurricane sail also brought us the Hurricane brochure to look at. For Star Citizen content created by the community, we had a Star Citizen new player guide by Board Gamer, which was really great, as well as one by Criticorn. We saw the 2.6.1 performance guide and how to get more uh, frames per second by Noctem. There were a handful of Anvil Hurricane concept sale guides. They're all being done by uh, people who have done thorough research, and they're all really good, but they're all linked also in the show notes. The Javelin Encyclopedia by Malagos was reposted in Spectrum. I definitely recommend checking that one out. And Nimrod77 did a video on G-Force physiological effects in Alpha 2.6.1 because the effects of the of G-Forces on your avatar while you're piloting a ship have been tweaked slightly since 2.6. So this is a pretty good overview of those changes. This week, Malgos reposted his Database for All Ship, Weapon, and Component Stats guide in Spectrum. Highly recommend looking at that if you're looking for the best output of damage for your ship or ship type. Squid of Love made a weapons guide for Alpha 2.6.1. Eshitos reposted his Star Citizen Economy and Employment video in Spectrum, and that one is exhaustively uh, extensive. I mean, it's 
it's got pretty much everything we know about the economy system and every single possible job for star citizen it's second to none on information but for a small simple explanation of mining nubifier did a new video on that career this week and i highly recommend people give that a look for fan videos star citizen polska on youtube posted a video which mimicked the cyberpunk's 2077 bullets video but in star marine it's extremely well done i highly recommend people check that out the hunter comic issue number three page 35 was released as well as the citizens comic episode seven latowan released a new blueprint map with the caterpillar and mr hasgaha has a new screenshot thread in spectrum and for other sci-fi gaming news hellion is now available in early access on steam now there's a really good video by sausage fingers gaming called Hellion A First Look, and another one by Dan Giesling, which was a first look at Hellion. This is a space survival game where you have a server which you play on with, you know, up to 50 or 60 people, and you can play together. Now, I have, I got Hellion, but I have not played enough to give it a full review. It's $25 on Steam right now, and it is in early access. Uh, I know they just today released a 350 megabyte uh, patch for it. I don't know what they're addressing beyond just regular bugs. But it seems like for now it is fairly buggy, expected to stay that way for a while. But if you're interested in space games and you're okay with early access, like most people who are fans of Star Citizen, Hellion is out now on early access on Steam and is worth looking at. That was it. It was a pretty slow news week. It sounds like we're we're essentially gearing up for whatever they can throw in 2.6.2 to make the network and stuff better until they get the actual network update in 3.0. Um, and who knows how long that's going to be. Uh, some things in 3.0 seem like they're way ahead of schedule, and some things like the network seem like they're far behind in schedule. So I don't know where we actually see 3.0 uh -huh. at this point. Because this is revolutionary networking technology they're working on. This isn't just like, oh, let's update CryEngine to modern. This is trying to go above and beyond anything yeah. any yeah. MMO has ever done. So, uh, you know, I th honestly think it's the last big blocker. This is the last thing that might sink the grand scheme of Star Citizen. If they can pull off this networking thing, they, they've they got it made. Yeah, I think um, Lumberyard is going to help a lot with it because it will, We, as we obviously have observed, not only have the CryEngine devs basically been snapped up by you know RSI and I guess now also Amazon, now there's also the money and integrity of Amazon behind it. Sure. You know, so it's not some crowdfunded studio which is making their dream game. It's also Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it, it lends a lot of legitimacy because not only does Amazon's name help, there's actually a seriously large and secure business throwing money behind this. Uh, but if Star Citizen can actually release a game using Lumberyard, it legitimizes Lumberyard. So it's a, it's a cooperative relationship they've got there. Mm-hmm. And that'll do it for this week. A special thanks to our sponsor, Intercellar Diplomacy. Visit them at robertspaceindustries.com slash org slash diplomacy. Thanks to everybody for listening, and we'll see you in the verse. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye, Mazzy. Oh, I need to say goodbye. Bye. <laughs>